Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me again this week. Super excited to be here. The the, uh, person I'm about to introduce, Ms. Brittany Schindler, has been on a growth journey for, I don't know, I've been watching it for probably 10 years now, and it's been pretty amazing. And there's a lot, a lot of stuff. So probably hope that if she comes back on more than once for sure to kind of go through some of her journey, because there's lessons we can all learn in, in every piece of it. But today, Brittany is going to talk about more of her evolved journey as a leader and uh, some of the things that we need to be doing. So welcome, Brittany. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me today. I'm excited to talk about what we're talking about. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited. And it, it's for me, you know, selfishly, it has been such a joy to watch your journey over the years and all the hard work that you've put into becoming the leader and gosh, the second in command and all of that stuff that it, it didn't come easy and a lot of, a lot of things to learn, but you, you never stopped with, with the quest for learning. And you never stop thinking about how you can make things better for your internal customers, which is one of the things we're going to talk about today. So service advisors and technicians and the, all the other people that's behind the scenes that a lot of times people don't see, you know, whether it's the shuttle driver, whether it's somebody that's cleaning the shop when, when you know, the customers aren't in there and all of that. We have a big responsibility to all of those people and to provide them a great environment to give them the tools they need to succeed, have a career path lined out for them. Right. So they know what's coming. And I think that's a big disconnect with businesses. So, so let's talk about that a little bit, because I know you have a lot to say and are kind of like an expert on this matter now, right? (laughs) I'm trying to be, I, I listen to a lot of, you know, the talks that ATI does, which has always been super, super helpful. Like what's to come in the future. Right. And we've been taught that, people want to switch jobs after five years, not because they just don't like it. It's just because they're just bored or they just want to move on. So there's definitely things that we need to do as managers and owners to adapt to this new way of living, I guess, that there's so many jobs available that people can just go work wherever they want. If they had like a bad week or a bad month, you know, at your work or business, um, they could just go work wherever they want. Every time I, I look at the numbers again, I'm still, I, I, triple check myself, even though they're kind of the same, but it's like 11 million jobs for 6.9 million people that are out of 
work right now. Right. It, it just boggles the mind. And we've talked about before on here and also our morning show and all of that stuff. You're not competing anymore for just people in our industry. You know, it used to be we were competing against the dealerships or other independent shops, but now with literally 11 million jobs available, we're competing with other industries and, mm-hmm. and we're seeing a lot of people leave to go become, you know, work on the railroad or do gun sales or just all kinds of things that are not anything they ever did because they saw this great opportunity and an add on Indeed or LinkedIn or somewhere. And it's like, wow, I can make that doing that. Let me just give up what I've been doing all these years and go try that. So it's a huge battle. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we're we're fighting for the people that want to work, really. Like yeah. the people that have work ethic, like we want them. It doesn't matter where they came from or what they did. Like we need those bodies to be here and, you know, be willing to learn and show up on time and, you know, have those skills that don't take much talent, um, which is like showing up on time and um, having an <laughs> attitude. That's crazy. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And that flip side of this, though, I think is two people are trying new things that they haven't tried before and wanting to dabble in different careers. So, you know, at the same time, it's it is a light at the end of the tunnel of, you know, can we attract people to our industry now that never were in it? And I think some of the things that you do with your team is going to help with that for sure. Yeah. A lot of people nowadays are like goal oriented or like very personable and they like to post a lot of personal things all over the internet even too. So when your business or your work is part of like your personal life, it becomes more of a, like a second home to them really. And that's what I try really hard to do here with, with our crew and our guys is, you know, not only want to attract people to come here, but also maintain the people that I have. I don't want to just you know, put that out there for, oh, new people, like, oh, I'm going to give you sign-on bonus and this and that, and and then do nothing for my team here. There's things that we need to do in-house with the crew that we have to to maintain them and keep them happy and keep good culture and want them to stay here for a long time. And there's just so much to it. There is. And I'm glad that you just mentioned about the sign-on bonus. And, uh, you know, a lot of companies in any industry are desperate right now for people to come and join their team. And so they're offering all kinds of things to, to the new people. And when you think about like, my gosh, when my cell phone company does that, or my cable company, I'm furious because I'm like, so this person (laughs) could just walk in off the street and get this. And Mm -hmm. I've been a loyal customer for 10 years or 20 years. And I love the, there's a company, um, it's going to escape me. I read it about, about Malaluka, I think, there's some kind of wellness company, but but they had this whole campaign for the last two years that they gave out retention bonuses and hero bonuses. And the people that came to work all the time and didn't use up all of their sick time and things, they, they gave them bonuses for being there and staying there and working. And, and I love that some of them were called a hero bonus and some of the other mm-hmm. names. And so there's people out there doing some pretty cool things. So one of the things I know you're huge on training and I, I don't know why there's such a disconnect sometimes about that training. It, you know, it's it's <laughs> one of the most important things that we can do, right, for our internal customers. And it helps benefit certainly our external customers. But what are some of the things that you do with training and why is it so important to you? I think it's so important to me because I've actually lived it and gone through it. 
like when I've gone to training and I, when I went to classes in the past with ATI and um, other like training expos and things like that, like I was so pumped coming back to work every single time I was like pumped to come back, implement things. I mean, that's the type of person that I am and that's the type of leaders that you should have too. But the continuous of training just to keep the mind going and keep the wheels going and not just do it once a year or even twice a year, but doing it throughout the year or doing it yourself with your team. Cause there's so much that we learn through ATI and there's so much um, stuff that we get from them that we don't need to necessarily wait for those classes to happen. Every time we can do in-house training all the time with the stuff that we already know and just share amongst ourselves. Um, I love sharing what I know with my advisors. And then my technicians are the same exact way too. I always say, hey, if you're doing a job and you're like, oh, I've done this before, this is like a tricky or like a shortcut. I'm like, please share it with the other team members, you know, and they do. They're like, hey guys, come check this out. You know how the book time says 10 hours, watch this. And then he gets it done in like an hour and a half or whatever it is, which is crazy. And they're like, oh, now I'm going to know for next time, which is awesome. We're sharing our knowledge and sharing our training. But I mean, this is such a fast growing industry and not, not just this industry, but just everything's so fast right now in this world that we have to keep up to date with all of it. Marketing, like we talked about with like internal customers and culture, like what are we going to do? How are we going to change? How are we going to adapt? And if you're not changing and if you're not adapting, then people are going to walk out your door and you're going to lose your internal customers. And, and it's going to be hard to attract new people too. And culture will probably decline as well at the same time. So we have to learn how to adapt and, and change and continue in training. That's why, I, I mean, I love, I'll always say I love ATI all the time because <laughs> of, there's so much that you guys have to offer and not only just the classes that you do, but the live at nines and the, your podcasts now, when we were going through the, I mean, we were trained for the PPP even. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that. Like we had no clue, but our business was able to get the PPP and we were able to utilize it and it worked out perfect. And I don't think we would have been able to do it without you know, ATI and, and being trained from it, from uh, leaders of your guys' business. Well, that are very kind words. And obviously ATI is very near and dear to my heart. So. Yes. <laughs> I'm too. <laughs> I, I, I am, uh, I love, love that for sure. I, on the training piece, you mentioned something I want to make sure that everybody heard about. You would go and then come back excited. And I think that's another piece that we're missing. We're not training just to give people more skills. We're not training just to check a box, right? But people get excited when they go and and they want to bring back the information. And if you create an environment where when they come back, they get to share what they learned with other people, it's going to make it so much more impactful. And I think one of the mistakes that we make is we send somebody to class, whatever it is, and then they come back and we're like, hey, how was class? Oh, it was good. Oh, good. Okay. And then that's the end of it, right? So I know that you do not do that. <laughs> so what are some of the things when you send anybody in your company for any kind of training that you do to ensure they got something out of it and that the whole benefit, the whole company can benefit? Any class that anybody takes here, technician or service advisor, um, I have them fill out just one piece of paper. It's just one, one piece. It says what the class was, what their takeaways were, and then what they're going to implement. So they literally write it down for me, what they're going to implement, what they learned from that class or whatever they, you know, got their wheels turning of what new idea they want to change or do. And then they rate the class on a scale from one to 10. So I make sure that 
you know, they're enjoying the class that they're going to. And I like to give feedback to the teachers as well. But that whole, what are you going to implement now after you do that class is huge for me. They write it down and I get to hold them accountable for what they wrote down themselves. So they write it down. We talk about it. And I, I do, I give them the ability to make changes here. And so they, they love it. And it, really benefits everybody in the whole business. But if they don't, like I didn't learn anything, then that's like a big, huge, like red flag to me. And I'm like, we have to figure this out. You had to have learned something in this class and something needs to be implemented. This is an ROI on classes, right? They're, you're paying them to go to class or to training. So there needs to be some sort of return on investment for them going. And also I, I cannot imagine going to class and not learning anything at all and not wanting to implement something. So that's a huge thing that we give to our guys. That That is huge. And sometimes even if you go into class and there's not something totally new or anything, it's, there's always a reminder or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, people joke all the time, you know, people say to me, Oh, I, I know, you know, I forgot more than you'll ever know. And I'm sure there's a lot of that out there. Right. But we forget. Oh, yeah. Right. So Science tells us if we're lucky, we retain 30% of, of what we hear, see, or learn. And so, you know, other people are saying it's even less than that. But if you even go with 30%, holy cow, if every class you've ever gone to and every lesson you've ever learned in life and everything you've ever heard, there isn't any way that you can go somewhere and not pick up an affirmation of, yes, I'm doing that right. Or holy cow, you know, I know that, but I forgot to be using that. You know, that's a great tool or information that I can share. So that's really huge. And I think another thing that you do there, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you you allow them to make changes. Mm-hmm. You treat everyone at uh, Rod's Japanese as a leader. You, yeah. you don't say like, oh, I'm not going to send so-and-so to training because they're the shuttle driver or because they're the this or they're the that. Everybody is equally important, which they should be. And you train everybody to be a leader. So let, let's talk about that a little bit because that's a, holy cow, when I get the question of, well, Kim, who should I send a leadership class everyone at your business, because don't you want everybody to think like a leader? Don't you want everybody to take responsibility and, and that? So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Not only that, when they go to those leadership classes, they know what it's like for the leader. If, Mm -hmm. if, even if they're not, and yeah, and then they'll be able to better support their leader too, in, in certain different ways. Someone posted yesterday, I want to bring this up real quick, build a team so strong. You don't know who the leader is. And I've never heard that quote or anything before, but someone posted on the ATI honors group yesterday. I'm seriously going to print that out and post it on my wall because that is 100% my goal to do here if I haven't started that already. Every, Every change that we make here at the shop, I don't do it in any type of dictatorship way. If I'm writing a new SOP or if something's not working properly or something like that, we sit down together as a team and we figure it out together because yeah, I've been doing this for 11 years. I have an advisor that's been here for two and a half and then one for one year. You know, they might not have the history and experience I do, but they can damn well have a really good idea that I've never even thought of. So they're part of writing the new operating procedures. And then when they're part of writing changes or anything like that, who's going to implement it the best? Probably the people that wrote it. So 
then you have this thing where, oh, you know, say you don't, you don't include your team in these changes. Like, Hey, I told you to do it this way or whatever. You don't really have anything to fall back on where, as if you have them write it with you, you're like, Hey, didn't you write this? And we're going to do it this way. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah, you're right. I'm going to, I'm going to do it this way. Cause I wrote that standard operating procedure myself. So there's so much more buy-in when you get your team involved in the changes. And I'm 100% transparent with absolutely everything that goes on in the business with my entire team. So they really feel like they're way more part of the business rather than just a employee, which I do not use that word at all. It's all team, team members, but they, they do feel more like they have that leadership type of skill or role just because of the way I do things and the way that I include them in the changes that we make. That's fantastic, Brittany. And so many times you hear internal customers and and people saying, oh my gosh, we've got this new policy and who the heck, somebody up in the office clearly wrote this because the the person that has to use it didn't because they wouldn't have written it this way or they wouldn't have created it this way. And you know, why, why are we not making the end users, the creators, right. And having them warm part for it because they're the ones that have to implement it. And sometimes companies do things sort of the opposite. It's like somebody that doesn't have to do it is like, yeah, this looks like this would be a good idea. And and we should, and then it gets down to the end user and it's like, mm -mm. and then they wind up having to do all different kinds of workarounds anyway to make it work. So it's not the process the person in the office did. So that's really important. So your service advisors, forever in a in a million years, there, <laughs> there is always going to be this. All right, what does a service advisor do? What really is that role? What kind of tools and support? And so people think like, oh my gosh, how can anybody expect somebody to do that in that role and get that done and vice versa? So let's talk about that a little bit because you really have a have a the corner of the market on this for sure. I think. I think it definitely helps with me coming from how I did, like starting off not knowing literally anything about anything um, to do with this industry. I didn't even know about cars. Yeah, my dad owned a shop and everything and worked on cars my whole life, but I didn't know. I was more into sports and, and stayed away from the shop. I didn't know anything about it. Didn't happen through osmosis. Your dad talking at yeah, dinner, you yeah. didn't become a master tech. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know what it's like to be a newbie advisor. And then and then I realized how much rides on our shoulders up front. Yeah, it does on the back too, because you got to get the work done properly and everything. I'm definitely not saying anything bad about technicians, but oh boy, do we feel emotional up front and how how heavy the business feels on us a lot of the times. Because if we're not selling, you know, we have to send guys home. Why would we want to send anybody home when our paychecks are based on uh, performance and getting things done? Of course, we don't want to send home people home. We don't want to do that as advisors. So I've, I've tried to build tools, like a big, huge toolbox for my service advisors to be successful. Like, what do we need to get the customer to say yes? What do we need to be the best shop in town. Uh, a SWAT, of course, helped uh, <laughs> from ACI. Like, what does the shop down the road have that we don't? Like, how can we be the best that we can? And I think bringing in the, the SWOT analysis is a great business exercise that if any of you have not done it, you can Google it. There's all different yeah. versions, but it's a fabulous exercise. It is. Yeah, we've done it a couple of times. So it's like, oh, why, why aren't we doing this awesome stuff that we could possibly <laughs> be doing? But this toolbox that I built for the advisors to be successful because, hey, we have 
five technicians now, whereas I think like seven years ago, we had two and we have to keep all of them busy all the time. And we have to keep the customer satisfied and we have to keep comebacks from happening. Um, we don't want to use crappy parts, you know, et cetera. So what have we learned? What are the tools that I've taught these advisors and what have we given them as a business and owner or owners and managers is um, I switched my warranty to a lifetime warranty. That was one huge, big thing that I gave to my advisors. And I recommend everybody listening right now to look into lifetime warranty or please feel free to reach out to me and I'll tell you how it works. It's it's super simple, actually. We have a nationwide warranty throughout the whole United States to give to the customer. Uh, we have we offer financing. We um, track comebacks versus like technician failure versus part failure. And we pay very close attention to that. Like, oh, we're never going to use that kind of part ever again on this specific type of car or maybe never that brand again. Or why does this technician keep failing? Because at the advisors who gets yelled at by the customer, you know, uh, as advisors, you technicians don't get any brunt of that. Luckily for them, you know, there's a lot of people compare it to, I've heard an analogy of a server at a restaurant, you know, the, yeah. the service advisor is sort of the, the server that brings out the food or the dish. And if the chef didn't cook it properly or, yeah. you know, whatever, and, and it could be sometimes it's the wrong order because the server put it in incorrectly, but there's, there's, you know, being that public facing figure of the business, it, you get it from both both sides, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it seems to come from everywhere sometimes. And it's it's a lot of moving pieces for sure. There is, yeah. But your advisors are mostly like they are your business. Like they don't they don't usually talk to the owners. They don't talk to the technicians. They talk to your service advisors and that's your business. That's who they the think your, your business, business is. Yeah. It's so important to continue training with them and I do this all the time. They'll be uh, making a sale on the phone or making a sale in person. And I'll put the cell phone right next to them and start recording them. I'm like, hey, go listen to that later. I'm not going to critique you, but I want you to critique yourself and see how you can get better next time. I do it all the time. They know the phone's sitting there. They're like, oh, I got to be really on top of my game right now if they so happen to see it. But it, it really helps them be be better by recording them and then listening to themselves later too. So I, I do that all the time. And I'm really lucky to have a crew that is always willing to get better and do homework and listen to the the sale that they just made and, and critique themselves and get better. Um, I have full buy-in from everybody. And, and one big reason why I do have full buy-in from them too, is because we talk about why it's, it's a good thing to do. You know, they go back and listen to that sale and they're like, why was I saying that? Do I say that every time or, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to definitely stop saying per se, because I say that I said that like 20 times in one sale. So there's small corrections that they're making, but I'm just trying my best to help them be the best that they can be. There's a Steve Jobs quote. That's something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's like, yeah, I'm here to just make you better is what I'm here to do. So the thing about you putting down the recorder and, and allowing them to listen to it, as you said, you're you're letting them all be leaders, right? And they don't need sometimes for you to critique them and say, oh, you said this wrong, you said that wrong, and so on and so So they when they hear it themselves, they know, right? Like anybody trying to improve anything, you're, we're probably most of the time our own worst critics. There, I mean, there are a few delusional people out there that don't True. get it, but... <laughs> That's probably not something you're going to keep on your team long anyway. 
With the service advisors, you also mentioned about with a lifetime warranty, which I think is fantastic, but I want to make sure that everybody understands that there's training with that as well, because my guess is when you walked out and said, hey, we're going to start doing this, they were like, what? And so there had to be training and role playing and how do you handle this objection? And what if a customer asks this or what if they say that? So can you spend a minute on that? Because I think sometimes we come with great initiatives. We go to a class, we go to a big you know, conference, we go wherever and we come back with all these new ideas and the service advisor, or the technicians will be like, yeah, no, we don't want to do that. That's not going to work here. And then sometimes we're like, just do it or okay, we won't, but there has to be training, right? Because or else you're setting them up for failure. So let's talk for a minute about how do you train them for a new initiative? I'm glad you, I'm super glad you brought that up because I don't think I would have remembered to bring that up. I have scripts written out for them uh, of how to explain the lifetime warranty because people are like lifetime warranty. What do you mean? You know, kind of thing. And we did, we totally role played it. We're like, how are we going to do this? What exactly are we going to say when someone says this and that or whatever? So I do have scripts on our Google drive that's accessible to the service advisor. Anytime say they forgot, like even job supplies, you know, customer, what's a shop supply or job supply. I have a script ready for them to go. Like they could just type it in while they're on the phone, while the customers, if they forgot what it was, because we don't really get that question asked very often, or even what does a lifetime warranty mean? Um, We don't get that very often, but I have a script ready at their fingertips any second that they need at their computer on their Google Drive that they can go read back, even though we did training before on it, just just so they can read it or, you know, get a refresher and be like, oh yeah, I need to say that about the lifetime warranty. We charge for credit card processing. So I have specific scripts for that. And it, it keeps going down. I have like a very short descriptive script. And then if people are super more analytical and need more information, I have more information towards the bottom. Like, okay, then say this too. Okay, add on this if you need to. It says and or, and or, and or, if you need to keep going with this specific customer with so you know, a diagnostic to. flow chart for, I do. <laughs> and really a logic do. tree. You have yep. a logic tree for. I do. I, I cannot, I think, express enough how important that that training and that role playing is. Because can you imagine being you're already like, all right, I don't know about this charging my people for credit cards. Oh man, we've never done that before. The customers are gonna have a cow. And they're already going to be gearing up themselves for this is going to fail because it's something that they don't have buy-in yet and they don't understand fully. And then the first customer starts going, what do you mean you're charging for credit card fees now? You never did that. They, they stop and stare and it's like a deer in the headlights, right? And so the initiative is bound to fail because if every time they're presenting it and then there's a, a customer that's getting upset about it, and they're a deer in the headlights, it's, it's just going to, you know, compound effect and make them feel worse. So when true. you can give them not only the proper training, that, but prepare them for different scenarios. So, okay, let's pretend somebody says this. How can we answer that? Let's, you know, you know what the objections are going to be for most things that, that you're doing. I mean, every now and then you'll get blindsided and be like, I've never heard that one before, but all right, let's, let's put it in our, you know, yeah. role play library. But if you're not doing that and you're, and you're not having those conversations and really letting them get comfortable with what they're saying and how they're saying it and preparing them for, here's what's the worst that can happen. They might say this, okay, 
here's the fix, right? You're, you're setting them up for failure. And that's, a, that's something I don't think a lot of people realize that when they just give a, you know, start doing this tomorrow or on the first of the month, we're doing this and then that's it. Mm-hmm. So, so true. We talked about like how we present it and like how our tone is when we present it too. like the credit card fee, for instance, it was a big one. You have to make it a, a positive thing. You can't be like, Oh yeah. And then by the way, there's that, uh, credit card fee. you know, <laughs> like at the end of one of the medicine, that. yeah, the end of the medicine commercials that <laughs> yeah. you're yeah, going to die of gas explosion oh, or something. Yeah. And then there's a credit card. <laughs> Sorry. You know, we, and, and my advisors, we, we learned from it and then there was full buy-in because, well, from, because of what I did in turn for that fee, um, for my team, I, I made it a positive anyway, but yeah, we can't, the way we present it, the way we train, like not only just the script and the words, but 100% our tone and our body language has everything else to do with it too. If not more, <laughs> nothing, nothing tips a customer off so that you don't believe in something when you stop yeah. looking at them and you're looking down yeah. and you break eye contact and you're yeah. like, well, yeah, this is a new thing we're doing and <laughs> they're rolling their eyes or yeah, yeah the owner wants us to start <laughs> collecting on here, you know, <laughs> so, true. so it's so important to, to have that training. Well, Miss Brittany, I could talk to you about this stuff for hours and hours and hours, as you know. And so hopefully we'll be back on to join us and share some of the other things that we're doing. But for sure, if I want to make everybody take away from, from this is you have to properly set up your internal customers for success. It's not going to happen on its own, right? And you have to create that safety net for them that place where they can practice and, and do things before they're implementing it. Right. For sure. Mm-hmm. And you got to treat everybody as a leader. You have to treat everybody as a leader and allow them to be part of the decision making process because everybody's important. Everybody should get leadership training because, you know, the bigger question is who at your organization do you want not behaving as a leader? So it's a, crazy, crazy things sometimes that we put in boxes and say, okay, that person maybe gets leadership training. This one doesn't. What? So thank you for joining. Any final words you want to leave with our, our listeners here today? If you're, if you're wondering how to implement these things or whatever, like get your manager on board with it and like, just pay attention to what your team's doing, hang out with them, listen to them, job shadow them. Maybe I think job shadowing, would actually be a really, really good way to figure out how to find out what's not working in your shop. And then, or what can be better, you know, write things down and, and then talk with your team after you job shadow them. Like, Hey, I noticed this and that, like, how can we make this better? And then do it with them. Brittany, you're making my heart sing. You're making my heart sing. <laughs> if you're wondering how to implement it, I think that would be a really good way to start to, to change things. It to is, it, it is. Be a little observant and watch yeah. them. And job shouting doesn't mean being on your cell phone and walking away 20 times to make a call. You have to the whole the whole time. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Everybody, us. stay safe and make good choices. And I will be back next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend 
And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can. 